Last time we began the Olivet Discourse, or what is known as Jesus' message on the Mount of Olives. We heard about all the signs leading up, and some of the signs that will be included in the Great Tribulation. And remember, the tribulation is that coming time when great trouble will break loose out here on the earth. No one will be exempt from the trouble that will happen. No one will get a pass. And this will be true, and listen to this, this will be true for both believer and non-believer alike. So if you happen to be alive, uh, breathing air on the planet Earth during this time, you will experience and be a part of the great tribulation. Now if you currently think that we already live in troubled times, well, you are right. But if you happen to be living during the time of the great tribulation, know that uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Imagine if you would. Now we're hearing about instances of violence. Uh, maybe one here, and then one there, one every other day, and then one over there. But know that during this time, you will hear about devastation and disaster every moment of your waking hours. There will be no relief of the bad news. Right when you think that you're going to turn uh, the television off and, and, and get tired of the bad news, the bad news will come knocking at your door. During the time of great tribulation, that... Ultimately, you're not going to be able to flee anything. But last time, we also realized that some of the signs to be expected during that time, uh, that they've been happening all along. Uh, that uh, we've been experiencing a taste of these things. In other words, it's like uh, having an appetizer of the meal to come. And I would say that, uh, that what we are experiencing uh, in our nation, what we are experiencing in our world today is nothing uh, but, a, uh, but one appetizer of many more appetizers to come that will ultimately lead up to the main entree. And we saw this last time as we talked about the earthquakes. We saw it last time as we talked about the wars and the rumor of wars and the famines that exist and that have existed uh, throughout this world of ours. And then just this past week, just a few days ago, we, we heard about uh, the possibility of a coming uh, coup d'etat or a, a takeover by the military in Turkey uh, that I say and submit to you that could have led to a civil war. Then who could forget this past week about the guy driving the truck there in France mowing down uh, uh, tens and tens of people, killing them. And many more 
were being injured. You would have to be either dull of heart or not have a pulse if you cannot make a connection that there's something going on in the world and, and connecting that with what Jesus has been telling us all along. You are either asleep or you don't have a pulse if you realize that nothing is going on. So we continue our series today in the Gospel of Mark. As we talk about the signs of the coming in, which will ultimately lead to the second coming of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things that need to happen, and we see this in the book of Revelation. But all these things will ultimately lead to uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, last time we even talked about the rapture. Uh, uh, the rapture in which Jesus Christ will come and remove all the believers off of the earth before he brings in this great time of tribulation here. But today again, Jesus' message it will continue to focus on his disciples knowing at this particular time there's only a couple of days remaining before he finally makes it to the cross. That cross now is getting closer and closer. And Jesus wants to prepare his disciples. That he wants his disciples to know that there's coming a time at which there will be trouble in the land. Please turn with me to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, beginning in verse 9. Mark, chapter 13, beginning in verse 9. Jesus, he continues to say here, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious before him what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak but the Holy Spirit. So know that during this time of great tribulation, that if you happen to be around, and, and I'm letting you know again, as I've said last time, that during the great tribulation that I'm planning on not being here. So if you call my cell phone number, if you text me or email me, or if you stop by my house, I'm praying that no one will answer, but on the other hand, all I know is about me, as much as I love my wife, I want you to know that all I really know is about me. So if you ring my doorbell, know that uh, I'm not going to be there. Amen? During the time of tribulation. But if you happen to be around, or if you're around during this time leading up to that tribulation when all hell is being uh, broken loose, that you will be called to testify 
during these troubled times. God will call you. As a matter of fact, I want you to say me. God will call me. Say it. He will call you to testify during these troubled times. During these times, what will happen is that people will try and force you to justify your stance of faith in Jesus Christ. That's right. You will be in front of people and they're going to want to know why you decide to side with Jesus Christ. And while you are justifying yourself by testifying about Jesus, you know ahead of time that they have already judged you. As a matter of fact, if you've been in some conversation with uh, uh, people who don't know the Lord, that know that sometimes that these folks that they are have already judged you. They have already judged you as being intolerant. They have already judged you as uh, a not lacking sophistication, a not lacking uh, or, or not having uh, the brain and the mind enough to reject Jesus Christ for yourself. That even today that people may call you a fool for following Jesus Christ. And this is why I tell you today that if you call yourself a Christian, Either put up or shut up. You either give yourself totally to Jesus Christ or get out the way for the rest of us. Amen? So that we can be the sweet aroma of God's grace and mercy to those who ever desire to know him and to be saved. So here in our passage, verse 9, it tells us that believers will be delivered over to councils that they would be beaten in synagogues and stand before civil leaders all for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now we've already seen this in Scripture, uh, even with the original uh, disciples and, and with Paul. We saw how they witnessed concerning about Jesus Christ as they were beaten in prison and some were even killed. And that happened during the time, during the day of the disciples. As a matter of fact, turn with me to Acts chapter 5, verse 40. There's many other examples, but I'm just going to point to this one, and then we're going to move forward. Acts chapter 5, verse 40. And it says, And when they had called in the apostles, these are the Jewish leaders, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. It says, they beat them, and they charged them, or they commanded them, you better not speak in this name of Jesus Christ again. And after they finished beating them probably an inch from their life, they let them go and said, now get out of here. And my question to you is, if someone beat you, what would you do next? If someone asked you, if they told you after they beat the bloody mess out of you, said never to speak of this name of Jesus Christ again, what would you do? Would you shrink back in your shell? Or will you say to yourself, 
that even if I were to die, never again would I ever reject my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That whether it is right to follow God or to man, you determine. But within my life, I have decided to follow Jesus and to Him with Jesus is where I go. So it is, seems as if the prophetic utterance of Jesus that had already occurred. So here in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we see that Jesus spoke these things and they happened and that was the end of that. But the fact remains that there's still coming other times in which these occurrences or the dislike of believers that it will intensify. It will become greater and greater. So verse 9 tells us that they, they will deliver you up to councils. They will deliver you up in the synagogues to stand before the civil or the uncivil leaders for some type of prosecution due to your faith. And again, I've already explained to you just, just a few weeks ago in my discussion with an individual as he questioned, he called himself a Christian, but yet he questioned uh, the obedience to the Word of God. And the more I directed him to Scripture and quoted him the Word of God, the angrier he became. Recall that. How he got up out of his chair and he began to face me. He began to turn red and point his finger at me all because I simply quoted what Jesus said. And if he were a Christian himself, then his spirit would have said, yes, this is what my Lord has said, and yes, I will follow him. But instead, he became angry and told me I had no right. I had no right to talk about Jesus Christ that way as if that's what he said. But I pointed him to Scripture and said, yes, this is what he said. And I tell you that that's nothing. That there's coming a time, and we've already heard it through other nations in this world of ours, in North Korea, Saudi Arabia, the friend of the United States, Afghanistan, Iraq, those who say they love Jesus Christ being beaten and being killed because of that testimony. So what will you do? What will you do? What would you do? So then when they bring us before them for us to be questioned, what exactly will you say? Because surely you will probably say to yourself, well, I'm no scholar in the Word of God. I don't know Greek or Hebrew or, or, or any of those things. Let's, let's read again. What exactly will you say when they bring you up? What will you say today when someone questions you about Jesus Christ? Will you simply say, well, no, no, you don't get it. You just need to come to church. Or will you say, well, here's the plan of salvation for your life. Mark chapter 13, verse 11 and when they bring you to trial, <laughs> notice that, right? Jesus did not say, and if 
They bring you to trial. Does he say that? What does he say? He says, and what? And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, says, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but whom will speak? The Holy Spirit. I would love to see the hands of you right now. Uh, anyone in here that you know that you've been in a situation and you, and you wondered uh, that people were asking you questions about your faith and you don't know how uh, you came up with what you said and you knew it was biblical and you knew it was right, but you don't know where it came from. I'd like to see from a show of hands, has that happened to anyone in here? That you don't know where it came from? That it, uh, right? There it is. That is the Holy Spirit working inside of you to give an answer that you did not previously know. As I've told you uh, time and time again, that oftentimes when I'm preaching, that literally when I'm preaching to you, when I go from one sentence to the next, yes, I have my outline and things that I'm going to say, but uh, uh, oftentimes it is some things that I actually learn literally while the words are coming out of my mouth to you. That literally, that there are some things that I am learning via the Holy Spirit as they are coming out of my mouth. It is real. The Holy Spirit is real. And he wants to use you. So Jesus says, don't be anxious. Or don't be worried about what you will say. Jesus has already told us repeatedly about worrying and about anxiety and how it should be something that we should not engage in if you are one of his followers. Remember, even Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, how? By prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. But as believers, however, I know that uh, that we fret and we worry about things. We're concerned about how we will respond to people. And yes, God calls us to study His Word, right? God calls us to know His Word. In fact, He says in the Word to study, to do what? To show yourselves what? Approved, right? Study what? Study chemistry? Well, you can study that. Uh, study, uh, study math? You can study that. But those things will not give you, get you approval unto God. The thing that you will study that is guaranteed, uh, say that word with me, guaranteed, guaranteed to give you approval to God is by studying God's what? God's word. Because by studying God's word, it opens you up to God's heart. It opens you up to the person of Jesus Christ that you may know him <clears throat> better. I know that we sometimes think that someone else is better qualified to answer some question. And I get that. I understand that. I know that. Sometimes that people ask questions about 
the veracity of God's word and when it was been around and how can this stuff even make sense and they begin to throw facts out there that are not facts, they're nothing but lies. I get all of that stuff and you don't quite know it and you've heard you know, Pastor Spencer teach or preach about certain things and, and you say, you know, well you need to meet my pastor to ask him questions about this. Amen? That's okay too. But in the meantime, that we also need to avail ourselves and we also need to study the word of God for ourselves. Amen? Because one day that you're going to be in a place that you can't get to me. Amen? One day uh, you're not going to be in a place that, where you can get to Pastor Scott or to one of the elders. You're not going to be in that place. And you have to avail yourselves of the learning of the scripture. Yet, the line of questioning, it will not center around how much you know about biblical history. Know that the line of questioning during these times will not center around uh, about what you know about intertestamental history. The Maccabees, or even the Pharisees of the, or, or the scribes. It will have nothing to do with the, Levit the uh, Levitical laws. It will all center around the person of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it may very well concern these basics of our faith. Jesus Christ crucified, him buried, and on the third day being raised from the dead in order to become a substitutionary atonement for you and for my sin. Nevertheless, whatever the line of questioning is, amen? Whatever the line of questioning is, know that the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do in that moment. Feels scary, doesn't it? It's like going to take a test in your class, and you don't know nothing about what's going to be on the test. I remember... Uh, one time I had, uh, I was just telling someone, I forget who it was, this past week, I think it was. Uh, one time being in seminary, when I was in seminary, and uh, I had to take, uh, we, had, we had exams every single class. Every single class we had exam, and sometimes, some days we had two. And the way this class was structured was, you would get, an, you would get a, a quiz or an exam on material that you have already studied and the teacher had not introduced yet in class. I'll say it again. So the professor would give you, in essence, an exam on material that he had not yet covered in class. And guess what? You had to pass it. Which means that you had to figure out some kind of way of passing those exams. So there's one day I go to class, and um, the professor, he tells us to open up our Greek text. And as a matter of fact, no, no, what he did was, it was actually, it was actually a sheet of paper, because there was, uh, there was nothing on there. And what we had to do, we had to translate off of this paper. There was no title, no verse numbers, or anything like that. And he can pick anything that he wants. And then you had to explain yourself. And as God is my witness... I looked at that paper, and I remember saying to myself, Lord, something has happened to me because I don't understand one word on here. 
literally. And I said, God, I said, surely there is one word I know in here. At least I can find the and and, and I can find those words, but everything else, it was, it's like something like, I'm like, Lord, did I have a stroke or something? Literally. So what I did was, I just said, Lord, you know, I have to give this thing to you. And I remember distinctively, I turned my paper over and I put my head down for the vast majority of the time. And then uh, I recall during that time, I just prayed and I just prayed and I prayed. And, uh, and then I recall the professor said you had X amount of minutes left to translate this and explain it. And I said, okay, Lord, well, here I am. And I flipped the paper over, literally, and all the words became like English to me. And I began, and I looked at it, and I just began to write. And I wrote the whole thing out. And by the way, I got 100% on that exam. And my friends were asking me, he says, so how did you do? Because I noticed you just gave up, and you put your head down. I said, well, I got, I got, I said, I got an A+. Plus. How you do? So how did you get an A plus? Because your head was on the desk most of the time. I said, man, that was, I said, don't you know? Don't you know who you serve? That was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit who, who taught me at that time. Now listen here, uh, 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 boys and girls and men and women of all ages. This does not mean that you do not study and you rely upon the Holy Spirit to pass your algebra test. Amen. Don't come and, and tell your mother, your father, your sister, or brother that Pastor Spencer said, well, all I got to do when it's time for a test is just wait on the Holy Spirit to clear things up for me, and I'm going to be good. Well, I'll tell you what, you keep doing that, you're going to repeat your grade over again. Uh, so you better study, amen? So the Holy Spirit, he will teach us what to say. And then know that uh, during your time of testimony that it is the gospel as we've been talking about, it will take prominence. Again, Mark chapter 13, uh, verses 9 and 10. It says this, For they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them, and the gospel must first uh, be proclaimed to all nations. Uh, listen to what's being said there. So many of you already know the gospel. In this case, it is not about being a good employee. It is not about being a person who tolerates other folks' beliefs. It is solely about Jesus Christ. Frankly, they're not going to ask you when you stand before them how much outreach you did. They're not going to ask you how much you prayed. They're not going to even ask you how much you read your Bible. They will want to know what is your connection with Jesus Christ and why. And if you don't answer the way they want you to answer, they will beat you, and some of you, they will beat you to death. In these moments, it is the Holy Spirit that will teach you. But it is the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing else that they must hear. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing else that they must hear. See, in God's providence and patience, what is happening during this time, even during the time of the great tribulation, that God is exercising his patience on mankind. Why? Because it is his desire that no man, no woman, no child 
should perish. God does not want to inflict his wrath upon mankind. Think about it. That in the very beginning, that God made all humanity in what? In his image. God made us in his image, so why would he try to destroy us? It doesn't even make sense. But it comes into play when you reject him. He has placed something inside of us that will automatically connect us with him, but yet some deny that, some push it down. So verse 10 tells us that you are a part of the gospel extending to all nations when you are called to do so. That you are a part of God's plan. And this is the essence of proclaiming the kingdom of God. Right? We proclaim the kingdom of God with an anticipation of what? Christ soon return. So this is what's happening here. There's the proclamation of the gospel or the kingdom of God knowing what's coming next is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus states in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 24 verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, what does it say? Come on with me. The end will come. You see that? And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And come on, nice and loud with me. Come on. And then the end will come. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what Jesus is telling us? He's saying that we are part of this gospel. And then once we proclaim this gospel, then the end will come. Then Jesus Christ will show up. So notice that connection between the fulfilling of the gospel and the coming in of all things. When the kingdom message has been proclaimed, it will usher in the end. While you may not know where you personally fit in to God's program uh, with this end time scenario, understand that the commission and the commandment of Jesus Christ, it remains the same for all of his followers. I know that the term evangelicals have had such a nasty turn to it because what has happened uh, that there are a group of people who have connected the term, the, uh, the term evangelical with a political movement. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are an evangelical because the word for gospel is euangelion. Right? You are a euangelion person, <clears throat> an evangelical. You have been called to this, not to some political movement. Don't connect your faith with any type of political movement. Amen? I'll say it again. Do not connect your faith with any type of political movement. You vote for who you think is the best person, but don't say that that person or that political movement represents the gospel because in most cases it doesn't because we live in a fallen world. And Jesus says you cannot synchronize him with anyone. He says that there is no other God but me. He says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It does not say the word was Republican. It does not say the word was Democrat. It does not say the word was independent. It says the word was 
God. Jesus is the word. Do not connect your political persuasions with this. Because if you do, you will be found in contempt, not by me, but by God himself. Because he says, before me there is no other. The great Shema, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Shema Yisrael, hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. There is no other. God is speaking to us saying that he is the only one. There is no other. And then listen here. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 19. Many of you know this. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name, uh, not the, the multiple names, not plural name, but in the singular name, right? Does everyone see that? In the singular name of what? The Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Come on, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus says that I'm going to be with you. He says when all this mess is going on, I'm going to be with you. When they're killing Christians, I'm going to be with you. When they're killing you, I'm going to be with you. Remember what Stephen says when they were stoning him? He says he saw Jesus. Jesus was there for him. <laughs> then after all that, understand that there will be no personal loyalties to one another during this time. No personal loyalties. And you know, this hurts. Come on, Mark chapter 13, verse 12. 12 and 13. Mark 13, verses 12. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. You see that? You see that? It says that the children, I, I never thought about this. I never thought about this before. But I'm going to leave it alone. But the children, some of you get it, because some of you are very discerning. The children will have their parents put to death. Verse 13. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So even your closest relative may come against you during these times. You know, with all the, the great things that were going on, I, I was imagining, as I was thinking this through, and praying this through, I was thinking about Remember the fun time you all had yesterday? Amen. All the parties that were going on in the church yesterday. Right? Imagine, imagine being in your household. And that very kid in that household would eventually put you to death. Or imagine that father wanted to give you over. 
because of the dark influences that are there. And again, even though we're not currently living in uh, the tribulation time, all of these are like appetizers. Because some of you know, some of you already know, some of you, you can't get along with your brothers or sisters. Some of you are adults anyway. Some of you have said how you hated your brother or sister or, or how they hated you. So some of you can see this. And what this is, is a dark spirit showing us what's going to happen in the future. Trust me, it is nothing but the spirit of the Antichrist. So if you are a believer, know that you're going to be hated. You are going to be, they're going to hate you. They don't want to hear that Jesus stuff. Uh, have your own mind. I don't want to hear that stuff. Your family will tell you. In fact, you may have already heard that coming from your own family members already. Your friends will tell you, I don't want to hear that Jesus stuff. But then listen to this. This entire section of teaching by Jesus it begins and ends with the phrase, be on guard. Look at verse 9. Jesus tells us what? But be on your what? Now look at verse 23. But what? Be on guard, he says. He says, be on guard. He's, in other words, he's saying, the reason I'm telling you these things so that you can be on your guard. Don't be stupid. Well, he didn't say don't be stupid. That's me, right? I, I said that, right? And maybe I shouldn't have said that, right? But I'm just saying, right? If he's telling you ahead of time, if you see there's trouble down the block, go to a different block. Just think, big old me. You know, just think about it. Sometimes I have walked down streets in the city of Chicago. And I look down the street and I see some folks hanging out. And you know what I do? I either cross the other side of the street, or I'll just say, or I'll walk, and, I, and I'll do one of these numbers. I'll say, oh, man, I'll turn around, and I'll go the other way, right? Because I, I still got to be cool, right? I don't want nobody really to punk me out, right? I still got to be cool. But I think uh, being wise uh, probably helped save my life. So the original word here, to watch or to guard, uh, it means to see with the eye. It means to see. Take a look with your eye. And it is a distinctiveness from being blind. You can see, but blind means you can't see. But on the other word, and in other words, I also want you to know that Jesus wants us to see things that are only spiritually discerned. You see, people of the world, they can't see these things. They can't understand these things. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned discern some of you in here today you may have difficulty with these messages uh, that I'm preaching to you even right now because they are spiritually discerned and you need the Holy Spirit to help you to understand so I submit to you that we must also look with the eye of the Spirit as well and when we look with the eye of the Spirit we are turning on our important senses which will help us to know how to respond in treacherous and dangerous situations. It could probably help us serve one another at the same time. 
So Jesus wants us to be fully aware and fully engaged spiritually and mentally about the state of affairs of this world. So he tells us what? To be on guard. So, finally, what will you do when you're in the hot seat and you're asked about your relationship with Jesus Christ? <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What do you do today, as a matter of fact? When your friends or co-workers begin to mock Jesus Christ, do you kind of like smile and kind of walk away, or do you have something to say about it? In our desire for a tolerant environment, again, we are encouraged to be more understanding of each other's belief system and more charitable towards people whose views of life are less than righteous. This is especially the case given the violence on our streets, the gangs, the guns, road rage, snipers, bombings. And just think, we're talking about today. We're not talking about the tribulation. We're talking about today. But understand our purpose for standing before people who are in high official office. That you are there when you finally make it when you ascend to the ranks, you are there to bear witness about Jesus Christ. Don't get it twisted. This is the point that we often miss today. When we finally arrive, we think the reason we have made it is to make it big and to become extremely famous and to become extremely popular. As our elder will tell you and will agree with me as well, you better know this and all the money and all the fame that it is all fleeting. I'm thinking about friends even right now who had lots of, of fame, lots of popularity, and today they just want to quit because nobody is calling them to work. But you go back about 20 years ago and you'd be like, wow, look at this, this is really great. I want to be like them. What does it mean to arrive? Jesus says what it means to stand before kings, to stand before leaders, is to talk about Jesus Christ. What are you going to do? What are you going to do today? We're not even talking about the tribulation or those events leading up to the tribulation. What are you going to do today when you are placed in that position? Will you shrink back or will you speak up? Brothers and sisters, I invite you today to make your decision now.